Hi, this is Bob Merberg from HiHo, HiHo.substack.com. I'm skipping the usual introduction today. I'm recording this on Labor Day in the U.S., uh, Monday, September 4th, 2023. In this episode, my mic is a little bit fritzy, but I think it's really minor, barely noticeable. And I hope you enjoy this episode. How can unions be resurgent when membership rates are at an all-time low? And in it, I confess my journey out of union skepticism. Off we go. How can unions be resurgent when membership rates are at an all-time low? Here's my confession about union skepticism. I was raised in a decidedly pro-labor household. In fact, my parents claimed to have been blacklisted during the McCarthy era. I never understood what they were blacklisted from. My dad was a hardware salesman and my mom a bookkeeper. Was J. Edgar Hoover hot on the trail of the guys restocking spackle on the shelves of Sal's hardware store? Despite being raised one way, I grew up another, ambivalent about unions. I knew they're the reason most Americans have weekends, child labor laws, vacation safety, and other good stuff. But also, I knew their history of corruption, violence, selling out, and propaganda. Then I started working in and around human resources departments. There, I sometimes witnessed a disdain for labor that switched a light bulb on for me. I once attended a breakfast meeting of a healthcare organization's HR division where the CEO, a guest speaker, literally stood up on a chair with a chocolate chip muffin in one hand and pridefully bellowed to a rapt audience those of us in front getting sprayed by half-chewed muffin, about how he'd successfully mobilized a war room to stave off an attempt by nurses to organize. Embedded in HR, I came to see that, regardless of their patriarchal facades, some employers, with HR foot soldiers running point, were affronted by the audacity of workers to expect a fair deal. Unions and or the employer's fear of unionization were often the only thing that stood in the way of seemingly reputable employers steamrolling their employees. The fact that HR experts, authors, and business leaders prattle on about belonging and workplace unionization with nary a mention of democratic worker organizations exemplifies the depth of the charade. They stirringly tweet allegiance to DEI while thwarting one of the most effective instruments for improving workplace equity, collective bargaining. Employers' facades implode when confronted by organized workers, as we've seen in companies like Amazon, Starbucks, Trader Joe's, and REI, previously hailed as stalwarts of conscious capitalism, now exposed as resisting employee voice to varying degrees on a spectrum that ends in union busting. Standout, Microsoft has taken a neutral position when employees unionize. This past Monday was Labor Day in the U.S. and Canada. Many European countries celebrate Workers' Day around May 1st. Australian states and territories choose their own adventure, some celebrating labor in March, others in October. 
In the U.S., the holiday intended to honor American workers and the labor movement is best known as a weekend for barbecuing, waving flags, and buying mattresses at a 30% discount. No money down. Imagine if Labor Day received the same attention as, say, Veterans Day or Martin Luther King's birthday. Despite the fact that leaders seem determined to suppress the meaning of Labor Day, news reports in recent years may leave you with the impression that organized labor is resurgent. Stories abound about workers organizing and or about work stoppages or looming strikes at Amazon, Starbucks, Chipotle, Trader Joe's, Apple, and UPS, and among members of graduate student organizations, United Auto Workers, SAG-AFTRA actors, and the Writers Guild, to name a few. How can unions be resurgent when union membership rates are at an all-time low? If my Substack data tells me anything, it's that you, dear readers and listeners, don't like me droning on about data. But a promise is a promise. Let me just hit you up with a few key bullet points, and I'll share some resources in the show notes for my fellow nerds. Union membership is up. The union membership rate, aka union density, the percent of workers who were members of unions, was an all-time low of 10.1% in 2022, down from 10.3% in 2021. The number of union members, 14.3 million in 2022, grew by 273,000 during the same period. How did the number of union members increase while the union membership rate went down? Simply put, during this period, the number of non-union jobs exploded. In other words, union members represented a slightly larger slice of a much bigger pie. While union membership is not resurgent, it's not shrinking. Union favorability trends up since 2009. A 2022 Gallup survey showed that U.S. approval of unions was higher than it's been in more than 50 years and rose steadily over the previous 13 years. Last week, Gallup released new data reporting Quote, the 67% of Americans who approve of labor unions today is down slightly from 71% a year ago, but marks the fifth straight year this reading has exceeded its long-term average of 62%. And Pew Research reports most Americans agree low rates of union representation are a bad thing. Quote, U.S. adults say the large reduction over the past several decades in the percentage of workers who are represented by unions has been somewhat or very bad for the country, 58%, and for working people, 61%, end quote. Labor activism, resurgent. Here's a little-known point about work stoppages, which include strikes by workers and lockouts by employers, but lockouts are uncommon these days. The Bureau of Labor Statistics has systematically tracked these since 1947. In 1980, however, as a result of President Reagan's budget cuts, BLS started tracking only major 
work stoppages affecting a thousand or more workers. This is a big deal. Work stoppages at a lot of retail workplaces, for example, are omitted from the official data. To the rescue comes Cornell School of Industrial and Labor Relations, which in 2021 started compiling its own data on work stoppages, pointing out that, quote, only recording very large work stoppages excludes the vast majority of strike activity and leaves practitioners, policymakers, and scholars misinformed, end quote. The Cornell Labor Action Tracker found the total number of work stoppages increased by approximately 52%, 279 to 424, from 2021 to 2022. The number of workers involved in stoppages increased by approximately 60%, 140,000 to 224,000. ELS reported only 23 major work stoppages in 2022. When the data is tabulated after the end of the year, the number of workers involved in stoppages in 2023 will blow 2022 out of the water, especially if UAW's 450,000 workers strike. Cornell already has recorded 251 work stoppages this year, according to a report in the New York Times. Between October 2021 and September 2022, the National Labor Relations Board saw a 53% increase in union election petitions, with the spike maintaining momentum in the first six months of this fiscal year. Reality check, NPR reports that fewer than half of last year's elections were won by unions. Union density in Canada, Australia, and Europe Compared to the U.S. union membership rate of 10.1%, Canada, the percentage of employees who were union members fell from 38% in 1981 to 29% in 2022. EU, the average union membership rate across the European Union is 23%, varying widely from around 70% in Finland, Sweden, and Denmark, to 8% in France. UK, union membership fell to 22.3% in 2022, down from 23.1% in 2021. Australia, from 1992 to 2022, the union membership rate fell from 41.1% to 12.5%. Are unions resurgent? Consider. In the middle of 2021, there were no unionized Starbucks stores in the U.S. Today, more than 8,500 employees have union representation at 350-plus stores. UPS averted a strike by agreeing to an historic contract for its workers. Actors and writers are walking picket lines right now. United Auto Workers and Big Three Automakers have one week to negotiate a new contract, a work stoppage seems likely.